Welcome to Getting In, a college coach conversation hosted by Elizabeth Heaton. On this show, the team of experts from Bright Horizons College Coach aim to demystify college admissions and finance. From choosing the right college, developing a payment strategy, creating a high school plan, and more. Each episode will help guide your family through the various steps of the process. Now, here is your host. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. I'm back. I've been on vacation. I picked up a nasty cold, not COVID. Um, I've been tested while I was away. Um, And it's September. I'm always amazed when we arrive at this time of the year that it's already this time of the year. So those of you who were juniors um, before the summer, now you are seniors and you are in the thick of it. Um, We're going to be sharing educator stories this week. We've been doing that recently, and we have a great personal story from someone on the team who was an international student who decided to attend college here in the United States. Um, We're also going to be talking through all of the writing on the Georgetown application. So if you are applying to Georgetown, you want to stick around, we're going to talk through each of those elements. Um, But before we get to all of that, we're going to be talking about getting ready to fill out the financial aid forms. And that, those are coming um, in some cases sooner than uh, the application deadlines are coming. And so joining me for that is my colleague, Lori Peltier, who is a former financial aid officer at both Anna Maria and Becker Colleges. Hi, Lori, how are you? Hi, Beth, I'm fine, thanks. I think my voice is better than yours today. Sounds a little better, <laughs> sounds a little more normal anyway. Um, All right, so um, I alluded to this in my intro, but why is now a good time to be thinking about the financial aid um, applications that you're gonna have to fill out? So now is a great time because families and students in particular are putting together their list of colleges that they're going to apply to, hopefully working on their applications and their essays and all of that. And the parents are probably a little worried about the price tags that they're seeing at some of these schools. So now's a good time to get ready to complete the applications, which become available October 1st. So don't don't jump the gun and, and fill out the applications now. The applications you will see on the websites are for last year. The new applications for um, students attending school in fall of 2021 won't come out until October 1st. But now is a great time to, to prepare by looking at all the schools on your list and seeing what they require. So a little bit of research and homework to figure out deadline dates and what forms they require. Right, because as quickly as we seem to have arrived at September 10th, uh, just as quickly as that, October 1st, we'll be here. Um, And then, of course, you'll blink and your kids will be out of college and all of this will be a faint memory. But that's for the future. I'm not even there yet for that. All right. So what can families do to prepare? You said now's a good time to get prepared um, for that process. What kinds of things do you recommend that they do? I recommend putting together like an Excel spreadsheet or some kind of a chart for listing all the schools that they are applying to and what they require for financial aid. All the schools will require the FAFSA form, the free application for federal student aid, which is a government form and free to fill out. But then there are about 300 colleges in the U.S. that require the CSS profile form that's put out by the college board. Um, It does cost a little bit of money to complete 
but just keep in mind, you don't have to do it for every school. So knowing what each school requires and then paying attention to the deadline dates, especially if you're applying early action or early decision, those deadline dates are really important. The earliest I've really seen is November 1st. So you mm -hmm. have the whole month of October to get it done. Um, but that's something you can you know, keep track of because they are the type of form where you only fill it out once and it goes to all the colleges on your list at one time. You really want to pay attention to what's your earliest deadline date and be prepared to answer, you know, to be done by that time. Is there any benefit to filling it out literally on October 1st and sending it off early or not really? So early is good, but I don't recommend October 1st. Um, in my experience with a lot of the software that comes from the Department of Ed or even the College Board, the first day... Even the College Board. <laughs> yes, the College Board. <laughs> yes. So the first day, there can be some kinks that haven't been worked out yet. You don't want to be that guinea pig who gets right. stuck and you don't know if it went. So I say, you know, wait a couple days, see what happens. Any of those kinks will be worked out and fixed and then do it. Like I said, you have pretty much the whole month of October to get it done. Right. And the reality is if the deadline is November 1, well, I wouldn't, by the same token that Lori's talking about, well, I wouldn't say you want to press the button on November 1, because many, many people will likely be doing that. You're not going to get more money if you apply by October 2nd versus really you just need to get it in by the deadline. So a couple of days ahead to avoid technical glitches, probably not a bad idea, but mm -hmm. um, all right. What improvement? So these forms have been around for a long time. I remember my parents filling these out back mm -hmm. when I was applying to college, which was a long time ago. <laughs> We're not going to talk about how long ago. I'm assuming these forms have been improved over time. For starters, they're online now, which they weren't back in the day. But what improvements have been made to these forms? Right. So because they are online, there is some um, concern for privacy and, you know, keeping your data safe because it does have names, social security numbers, income information. So one of the things that they have done for the FAFSA form is created this FSA ID. The FSA ID is a secure password that you create using your date of birth and your social security number. Um, and you use it to sign your form and to make any changes. And anytime you want to go in and look at the data and keep track of your federal funding, you need this FSA ID. And that's one of the things that can be done ahead of time. So that can be created now so that it's done and ready to go. When you submit the FAFSA form, you'll have it and you'll be able to submit it all in one um, transaction. So that's one thing is they've created this very secure login. The other thing they've done is they've created a way to pull your data from the IRS. As scary mm. as that sounds, when you're in the FAFSA form and you're in the parent or student income section, it will say, did you file a tax return? Do you want us to pull the data from the IRS? Mm. Um, most people are able to do this um, right online. And it, it helps you so you don't have to worry about transposing any numbers or picking up the wrong numbers off of your tax return, mm -hmm. it will only pick up the data that's required and place it in the line item that it's asking for. Um, so that is an improvement that's been out for a couple years now. Um, another thing that they've done is if you have more than one child in college, they allow you when you get to the end of the first one, it will say, we see that you put you have a sibling enrolled. Do you want to roll over the parental information into a new FAFSA form? Mm, nice. um, yeah, it hasn't always worked in the past, but I think they've worked those glitches out. And so it saves some time and effort on the parents who have more than one child in college. Excellent. 
So, yeah, I mean, I would say those sound like pretty massive improvements, actually. Yes. If they work, when they work, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, what are, so as you mentioned, one of the reasons you might want to pull the data from the IRS is, you know, you avoid putting the wrong information on the wrong line or transposing a number or something like that. What are some other common mistakes that you see families make and that they should do their best to avoid? Mm-hmm. So some of the questions are pretty broad. For example, in the parent section, it says report the value of your investments. And if you don't click on the little question mark to see what is an investment that you include, Mm -hmm. you may include investments that do not need to be reported and overstate the assets for the family. So one of the things I see a lot is parents are including their retirement savings in their Mm. investments where that is supposed to be kept out, but it's not really clear on the question. So I would always, you know, click on that question mark for more help and more description than what the initial question asks. So uh, the retirement savings are one of them. Uh, The other one is reporting 529 college savings that you might Mm -hmm. have for your child as a child's asset. That can really skew your eligibility for financial aid. A 529 plan or a covered help Um, education savings account are set up specifically for education for your child, but they're not the child's asset. They're the parent's asset. So um, that's one thing you'd want to make sure you're putting it in the right column that as a parent's asset. Um, Missing deadlines is another one. And, And then the other question that a lot of families struggle with, but is resolved if you do IRS data retrieval is the amount of money you paid to federal income tax. Got it. So some people pull it off of their year-to-date pay stub or off of their W-2, but that number is not actually what you end up paying because you have to go through the process of filing your taxes. So it comes off your tax return, but some people pull it from their W-2 and those two numbers are different. Got it. Well, and also they might they make the mistake and pull it from the wrong year, right? They might look at right. a current pay stub when really you're looking at prior, prior year and yes. that would be bad. <laughs> um, well, actually though, Which leads me to something somewhat related, right? So when you file these forms, they are based on the prior, prior year, Mm -hmm. which the prior, prior year, if you're applying this year, means there was no COVID. All of that impact has not even happened yet. You haven't even, we've maybe dreamt about something like this happening, but not really. And so what do you do if you have been impacted by COVID, if your economic situation has changed pretty drastically from the prior prior year results that your income tax is going to show and all of those federal forms are going to show. Right. And unfortunately, this is happening to a lot of families this year. So those of you who have high school seniors, uh, you will be putting your 2000, your 2019, sorry, 2019 tax return data. Mm -hmm. The forms, the FAFSA and the profile form require that you complete it with 2019. But if your 2020 income is lower for whatever reason, you know, you are furloughed or you're not getting bonuses or you're not working full time, you do need to reach out to each individual school and appeal your information. So don't put your new information on there. It will mess things up and error messages and then the schools won't know what is what, what's right. So stick with what they ask for. But after you've submitted them, go ahead and write an email to the college financial aid office saying you've done the FAFSA form, but you have an extenuating circumstance and this is why. 
each school will treat it differently. You know, they they may ask you to complete one of their forms. They may ask you to send in a year-to-date pay stub or more information. But that's the starting point is go ahead and fill them out as is, but then reach out to the schools with any changes. So, and reach out prior to them making any decisions. So you don't want to wait and negotiate it later. That's what we're recommending this year, that families reach out immediately after submitting the forms. Some of the colleges may tell you to wait until after January 1st when the year has ended and you know your total income for 2020, or even until you've completed your tax returns for 2020 and they say that they will take it into account then. Um, Or they might even say, we're going to base your freshman year of college on 2019 and your sophomore year will be based on 2020. We really don't know. It is a school by school decision and nobody has really come out yet to say exactly which way they're going to go. Right. So send the information and then you'll find out in your conversations with colleges. So, all right, Lori, thank you so much for joining us today. I really appreciate having you here. And this is some great information that you shared. Thank you, Beth. I was happy to be here. Okay, great. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear from my colleague, um, Sai Samboon, who grew up in Thailand and decided to attend college here in the United States. So don't go away. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. When it's time to go through the college admissions process, look to Bright Horizons College Coach for ethical guidance and customized support. Our educators will get to know your students' ambitions and talents, help highlight hard-won achievements, and create a plan for getting into a top-choice school. That plan includes helping your student choose classes and extracurriculars, create a college list, brainstorm and edit essays, and navigate college financing options. Visit getintocollege.com to learn more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, Over the past couple of weeks, we've been, well, we have introduced a new series where Um, Some of my colleagues from College Coach are coming on to the show and sharing some information about their personal situations when they applied to college. Uh, And very excited to have Sai, who is my current colleague here at College Coach, but also who I worked with when I was at Penn, uh, joined today to talk about his experiences as an international student applying to college here in the U.S. Hi, Sai. Hi, Beth. Hello, everyone. Happy to have you here. Um, and I'm gonna. I shared before the break that you grew up in Thailand and decided to attend college here in the United States. Um, so I guess my first question for you is: 
why? Why make the <laughs> leap and come all this way to, to go to college? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I was very fortunate that my mother uh, taught at the International School of Bangkok, which is an international school in Bangkok um, with the American curriculum. Mm -hmm. And so I was very inspired by my teachers and by my classmates to pursue school in the United States. And there was a part of me that just knew that an American education, specifically a liberal arts education, would be perfect for me because I didn't know what right. I wanted to study. <laughs> you know? right. uh, and my friends that were going to college in the United Kingdom or Australia, you know, they had to decide engineering, business, law, medicine. I was like, I don't even know. So <laughs> American, um, the American educational system, liberal arts specifically, was what really drew me in the first place. Got it. Got it. So obviously um, you're at an international school, which is helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but still, what were some of the challenges that you found or encountered in applying to schools in the United States, which is, of course, not your home country? Um, what was that like? It was tough, you know. Uh, obviously, there were no school visits. My family did not yeah. have the resources to fly to the United States for two weeks, you know, in the middle of my schooling or even the summer for me right. to visit colleges. So um, I really took it upon myself to research. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I met a lot of admissions officers that came to my school. Um, everyone, whether it was a large institution or small or private or public, I was just like, I'm there because I need to just learn as much as I can. Sure. Um, so I took advantage of that. And this was, you know, really in the infancy of the internet, I'll say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there were really no virtual tours. You know, there were mm -hmm. a lot of pictures. Um, and I, I also got a lot of literature from universities after taking the SAT. So right. I just jumped right into that kind of research. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, it, we don't think about it today or I don't really, but I mean, you had the internet, which is good, but I mean, even at before COVID hit, there were still many colleges that didn't make it particularly easy to take a tour. I, yeah. Many of them have made it easier now because they've had to. Yep. Um, so what you mentioned part of your process, you know, you, every time someone came to the school, if you could attend that meeting, you would. Mm -hmm. You did, you went online. Were there other things that you did in, in researching schools? And, you know, I know one of the, th the challenges here in this country is that everybody has an opinion about where you're applying. <laughs> and I'm curious if you found something similar, um, especially being in Thailand, where mm -hmm. what I find with a lot of international students that the focus on the U.S. is so narrow. They only know about a handful of schools. Mm -hmm. And often that's all they're willing to consider, which is really problematic because that handful of schools is typically admitting very few students. So the vast majority yes. that are interested are not going to be competitive. So what was that part like? It's a very real experience. Um, I went through high school with family and uncles and aunties and you know friends of the family that were uh, that had children that went to school in America. Mm -hmm. And they would give me, as you can imagine, the Ivy League, right, right, right. Stanford. Um, you know, if someone had an engineering master's, maybe they went to the University of Illinois. Right. You know, yep. so kind of this random hodgepodge of schools. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I was like, you know, there's got to be more schools out there. Yes. You know, and so I actually ended up going to Franklin and Marshall College, which mm -hmm. is not well known at all in Thailand. In Thailand, right, <laughs> right, in yep. Thailand. I mean, you know, everyone knows it here. For me, it was the best fit. And so mm -hmm. I met with an admissions officer that visited from Franklin to Marshall. And I fell in love immediately. Liberal arts, mm -hmm. uh, intimate residential campus community, close to big cities, um, you know, 
the ability to study anthropology and dance and music and French and Russian and I mean all these different things. So I just knew in my heart that I would listen and be polite. <laughs> yeah. But I wouldn't take so much from all this noise that was like, well, yes. you have to apply to the Ivy League schools. That's the only way you're going to get anywhere. And I'm like, that's just not real. You know, that's right. not true. Right. Um, I, I remember a counselor just gave me a book and it was rankings. And I remember oh. just looking at it. And, yeah. you know, we talked to national students at the time and there's a lot of focus on the rankings. And I remember back then I was like, these rankings in here are not the same rankings that I yes. prioritize. Yes. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it was a lot of dispelling myths at the time. It was a lot of self-educating. It was a lot of talking to friends who were older than me that went to different colleges, ranging from, you know, Co College to Ithaca College to mm -hmm. Emory, schools that I never even heard of. Right. So I talked to them. Yeah. Yeah. So I and what I love about what you're sharing is clearly you were able to recognize at a young age, which many people aren't able to recognize that in their entire life which is you really did have to block out the noise. Um, everybody, and I think this is a universal piece of advice and, and an example to follow, which is that everybody is going to have an opinion about the colleges you are considering, good, bad, and ugly. Mm -hmm. And it really, this is not everyone's process. This is your process. Um, you as a student and you as a family, obviously, you know, your parents are paying or helping to pay and you're going to have, you're going to weigh in, they're going to weigh in. It's going to be a little bit of a group decision. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you need to find a place where you can be happy and successful for four years, because that's what's going to lead to success after the fact. And yeah. if you listen to too many other people, you won't know what you think. And it will become a much more difficult process than it would have been otherwise. So absolutely. Love, yeah, absolutely. And if I may add, you know, there was a big caveat. I and mean, my family said to me, they said, Alongside, you're not going to be able to go to college in America without significant financial aid. Yeah. So, you know, that was a big weight to carry to be like, okay, so aid for international students is already so minimal. How yes. am I going to do this? Um, and, you know, truthfully, the only reason why I was able to go to Franklin Marshall was because I was awarded a lovely scholarship. Mm -hmm. um, but that was one of my factors, right? right. That was one of right. the things that made a good fit, will this kind of school offer me merit-based aid? And if it didn't, I had to say no. I had to not even consider it as a choice. Right, right. Don't even apply. Right. Because when you were putting your rankings together, that was a key component of what would make a college rank highly for you. And yeah, I mean, there's nothing worse than you meet with a student and they've got this list of schools that they love, but they have not factored in that very important component. It's wonderful if the sky is the limit. If mm -hmm. the cost of it is irrelevant or plays a very minor role in your process, I would say that is not the average person. Most most students need to worry about that, and you yes. can't forget about that piece. Um, so, in addition, I think you've run through some of the things you were looking for that contributed mm -hmm. to your final choice. Anything else? So the uh, the getting scholarship, getting either a merit scholarship or getting financial aid, that was key. Small liberal arts, close to a city. Were there other factors that you were um, looking closely at? Um, I actually did some research at the time and saw that the campus was building a whole new theater and uh, dance yes. complex. So, you know, for me, this 16, 17 year old 
uh, young boy that just discovered dance at mm-hmm. 15 or 16 to see that this college was investing significant amount of money into this beautiful new space was very exciting. Yes. You know, so that was one of my um, factors that I had mm-hmm. to take into consideration. Um, I also, yeah, I grew up in Bangkok, which is a city of 10 million people. Yeah. <laughs> and I love it. It's my hometown. But I wanted to get out, get away. You know, yeah. I wanted the total opposite. And so Amish country in Lancaster, Pennsylvania is the total opposite of Bangkok, Thailand. Right. Yeah. I, I, honestly, I have not been to Bangkok, but I've certainly seen Bangkok. And yes. I have a decent sense, a limited one, albeit. Yeah. And I, but I have been to Lancaster County and I have been to Amish <laughs> country and I could say definitively, you are right. Yeah. There's literally nothing that they have in common. So Nothing at all. And that's what I wanted. You know, yeah. I, I wanted just a very intimate residential environment where I would know everyone. I mean, and I did. I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, I knew everyone on every single team and I sang and I danced and I was in the international community. I mean, it was just wonderful. And so that was what I knew that I wanted. And it just was a really wonderful fit at the end. What was that like setting? Did you get to visit? I know you already should. Mm. You couldn't do college visits. Um, we do have students who have to go that path. I always say only yeah. if you have to, because something can look perfect. All those reasons you just gave make it sound perfect. But, mm-hmm. you know, for example, when you grow up in Bangkok and you <laughs> think you want something totally different and then you land in Amish country, mm-hmm. which is like really different, mm-hmm. you might discover in that moment, hmm, I want it different, but maybe I wanted more like suburban Boston versus <laughs> Amish country. So, right. you know, were you able to visit any of your schools before you actually accepted an offer? And if not, what was, you know, what was that like? Yeah, yeah. So actually, um, the scholarship that was offered to me also invited me to come oh, to campus in nice. the spring. Okay. Yeah, it was really, really just, it was such a fortunate experience. They paid for me to fly to visit f and I mean, that's amazing, you know, and very few schools have the resources to do that. Yeah. So, um, you know, I arrived, it was a beautiful spring day, you know, weather was great. Right. Students were all hanging out on campus, you know, on the quad, like, and to me, it just looked like a, a, a movie scene from an American right. film just come to life, you right. know? So yeah. I was set. I was like, this is amazing. Now, you know, no college experience is perfect, right? There's always going to be ups and downs, but I, um, to answer your question even further, after my freshman year, uh, I decided, you know what, this is a great experience. I'm here on a scholarship, but I kind of want to experience something else. And that's when I studied abroad. Okay. And so, which was hilarious because my family was like, you you are abroad. (laughs) You are abroad. Exactly. This is studying abroad. (laughs) This is literally studying abroad. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I, I, got a grant from Franklin Marshall to help me. So I went to Australia and I studied at the University of Sydney oh, cool. for a semester. So, you know, Bangkok, Thailand, Sydney, Australia, pretty similar, right? Yeah. And when I came back, I was even more, um, I took more advantage of Franklin Marshall because I was like, oh, what a special place this is. You know, right. So. And I'm not going to be here for much longer. So exactly. Um, but that is great. That and, and that is sometimes an option. Like you say, not all schools have those kinds of resources, but some schools will um, mm-hmm. to bring you to campus. And now there is a little bit more that you can do. On some level, though, there is a little bit of luck involved. Right. And you had some things that you were really looking for. I would argue that you probably knew your mind a little bit better than mm. many high school students do. Um, but that's also why we, you know, you just have to talk about it a lot, right? 
What does that mean to you? You want to change from Bangkok for you? That ultimately meant Amish country for someone else. It might've meant if they talked through it, the suburbs of a new of a U.S. city versus mm -hmm. being in the middle of one or being in a, in a very rural location. So yeah. um, I'm, that's super interesting. Any advice that you would give to students who are listening? We do have um, families who listen from all over the world um, in all kinds of countries, many in, in Asia, mm -hmm. um, but many in Europe as well. Yes. What's your advice um, to those students? That's great. Thank you. And I, I feel so privileged and honored to share my thoughts here. But keep your options open. Look, research, explore. You know, we're mm -hmm. in a digital time. So my goodness, the virtual tours that are available now are very advanced. Um, follow the social media accounts, follow Instagram, Facebook for specific programs at different universities, because you can find out so much information that way. Yeah. Um, and be open, you know, I mean, so I went to Franklin Marshall, but I was also ready to apply to Canadian schools. I was ready to apply to large state schools. I was ready to apply to schools in Australia. So, you know, I think it's good to have those options because that allows you to have more options in right. the spring. Right. Um, so just be open, you know, and, and if you persist, if you work hard and if you do your research and make sure you, um, uh, cross all your T's and dot your I's, you will find opportunities. They will right. exist. Right. I think that's great advice. The only thing I would add is just pay attention to deadlines because yes. whatever the, you know, even what you just mentioned, you were going to apply in Australia, you're going to apply in Canada, you're going to apply in the U.S. They may all have had very different deadlines. And the worst thing you could do is have this wonderful list of colleges that makes so much sense for you and then blow it by missing deadlines right. in uh, different systems. So pay attention Absolutely. to that. Yes. Yeah. All right. Sai, thank you so much for joining today. This is very interesting and I appreciate the insight. Thank you, Beth. All thank right. you, everyone. All right. We're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about the Georgetown application, not on the common application. Get with it, Georgetown. But at least you can fill out and submit it online now, which you couldn't do all that long ago. So anyway, we're going to be talking about that when we come back. So don't go away. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. College admissions can be stressful, but Bright Horizons College Coach is here to help. Our college experts, who worked in admissions and financial aid at some of the nation's most selective institutions, offer ethical, customized assistance based on each student's individual strengths and interests. Students receive one-on-one -on -one guidance throughout the process, and our 100% success rate means all of our students have been accepted to college. Visit GetIntoCollege.com to learn more. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Getting In, a college coach conversation. 
To submit a question for an upcoming listener Q&A segment or to suggest an idea for a future segment, please send an email to gettingin.voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back. We are talking about the Georgetown application. There's a decent amount of writing on this application, so we wanted to run through it with you. And joining me is literally the perfect person in my office to do so. Um, And that's Lauren Randall, who is a former admissions officer at Georgetown. And the application hasn't changed one little bit since Lauren worked at Georgetown, at least to the best of my knowledge. Uh, Hi, Lauren, how are you? Doing well. And I will also say I'm a Georgetown alum, and I don't think the application changed from when I applied. Yeah, I was mocking before the break about the fact that um, Georgetown is not on the Common App, and I encourage them to get with the program, but also was applauding the fact that at least now you can apply online, which you couldn't do uh, until relatively recently. So, and we should probably also add, right, that the Dean of Admissions, when I applied to college, was the same as when you applied to college is currently the Dean of Admissions. So if anyone's wondering why things have not changed, that's probably one reason. Anyway, could be. Okay, so we wanna talk about the Georgetown application and primarily all the writing, but I also think Mm -hmm. it's interesting or important for our readers or listeners, you're not reading this, you're listening, for our listeners to know um, a little bit about how the process works, because I think that will help. So can you set the stage for us in terms of um, how applications are read at Georgetown. Sure. So it's super interesting because I don't know of any other college that does it this way. Um, so Georgetown is broken up into four schools. We have the College of Arts and Sciences, School of Nursing and Health Studies, Walsh School of Foreign Service, and the McDonough School of Business. So you don't apply to Georgetown. You apply to one of these four schools. Now, there are other universities out there that you're read kind of by department or maybe have some influence. Georgetown, it absolutely is that you, your when your application goes to committee, you're being read for that school and in that school context. So you have an admissions officer on that committee, but you also have a current student, Georgetown student from that school. You have a current professor from that school and a current dean from that school, all with an equal vote. Mm-hmm. That I don't know of any other school that does it that way. It is you really do it that way, <laughs> Okay, sorry, what were you saying? I think it's I think that's in, important to know only because people come at it with a different perspective. It was so interesting as an admissions officer to hear the students say, Oh, I'd really want to be a roommate with that kid, mm-hmm. or the professor saying, I really want that student in my classroom. Um, so the different perspective uh it, it adds a a nuance um, to it. Nothing that you have control over, right. but definitely understand that school choice on the application is critical. Right. Absolutely. I think that's really good context. I also think the idea that you can't control it. And, and because you have so many different people, you cannot write for any of those people. You have no idea who you're going to get. Um, yeah. You just need to do your best work and stay true to yourself. Be you. Mm-hmm. I got to wear my glasses because I need to read these out. But The first, and the way I think about it, the main essay for Georgetown is, the question is this, as Georgetown is a diverse community, the admissions committee would like to know more about you in your own words. Please submit a brief essay. 
either personal or creative, which you feel best describes you. What is your advice here? Do not write a new essay. This <laughs> is your common app essay. Yes. How many students have said, oh, I, you know, and wrote a totally new essay, a Georgetown essay, when they could just use their common app essay. And I can tell you from as an admission, former admissions officer at Georgetown, that is what I expected. I did not expect something tailored to Georgetown for this space. That is your common app essay. Yes. Easy. Done. Okay. Easy, done. And this is what I do when I'm working with my students and they have Georgetown on their application list. They're like, oh, I got to write. I'm like, yep, that's your common app essay. That's done. Mm -hmm. So that's the easiest part. It's done. It's written. Okay. Um, next one. Briefly discuss the significance to you of the school or summer activity in which you have been most involved. And this is about 150 to 250 words. At least that's what I tell my students to do. I don't know if you have different mm -hmm. advice there. Yeah. So, and this is not all that different. I think there's several colleges um, that that want to see uh, something about an activity or have this similar supplement. So, um, this does not need to be tailored again specifically to to Georgetown. Um, especially in the limited word count, you don't need to say you know it, it being all about mock trial and then go on and on about what you're going to do at Georgetown mock trial. If maybe there's a connection, you want to throw some if you can fit it. But again, this does not need to be tailored. Um, I do think, you know, it, uh, if it can relate to, to your school of choice or potentially your major, there might be an opportunity there, but again, it doesn't have to. So if you want to write about mock trial, but you want to go on and be a doctor, you know, and say be pre-med, that's okay. So, you know, you don't have to force something that doesn't come naturally to you to make it fit. Um, make sure you're giving us new insight. This is not just regurgitating your, your activity list or your resume. Um, really digging a little bit deeper to give us that, that insight, you know, the significance of what this means to you or how you've grown or what impact you have made. I think that's, that's really important. Um, and again, remember, it does not have to be what you, a school club, it's a summer activity that could mean a job, could mean a responsibility that you have. So, you know, feel free to be a little creative there at, on right. how you define that. Right. And, and what I have, and I would love to get, again, your take on this, you know, my take with students is, yes, they do say um, an activity in which you have been most involved. However, often that's what my students are writing about in their main essay. So I essentially say, it's got to be something that you really do enjoy and that you are involved in. But, it, you know, if you're like, well, I'd spend 10 hours a week on this one and eight hours every two weeks on this one, that doesn't mean eight hours every two weeks on this one is a bad idea. Right. You, you don't have to take that so literally. Would that be fair? Uh, 100% agreed. I think it's actually pretty hard if you, again, I'll keep using mock trial. If, you're, if your main essay here is about mock trial and you're, how you've grown from that, and then the short essay is also about mock trial, you do not want it to be repetitive. You would have to really come at it from a totally different angle and give me totally new insight. Um, but otherwise, it's just a, it, it, you don't want to waste this opportunity to shed new insight into right. your involvement. Okay, great advice. Um, all right, and then there's one last sort of, and it's almost a throwaway, um, and yet I think there's opportunity here. And this one is indicate any special talents or skills that you possess. What's your advice here? What if you're a student, you're like, I don't really have any. 
Do you leave it blank? What 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 do you do? Don't here? leave it blank. As <laughs> as a former admissions officer, this probably was my favorite thing or area to read. It gave me so much insight into how the students saw themselves. It was mm-hmm. super super interesting. Um, I will say so. One thing that has changed since I've been there. There didn't used to be up to 250 words. This was not an essay. When I, It was a blurb. It was maybe some bullet points. It was a sentence. Um, now I'm seeing if you have up to 250 words. I still think that might be a little bit long, um, but don't, don't leave it blank. So, you know, think, again, I, I would not go for the obvious of, mm-hmm. of whatever sort of um, maybe highlights that you're putting into your common app essay character traits about yourself. Um, but again, this is a little bit more, I almost want to use the word quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, so something I just would not know at all. And it can be, uh, you know, I, I think one of, one of my favorite ones, the student t- gave me just a couple of sentences and they said, I've perfected the art of the handshake. And it was just really interesting. And it actually told me that the student was very conscious of that connection with people and what, uh, you know, they wanted to say about themselves. It was super interesting. So, you know, if you, if you are the best, uh, chocolate chip cookie baker, great. You know, it doesn't have to be academic. It does not have to be serious. If it's quirky, that's fine. But if you are also really nerdy and you're a gemologist, uh, cool. You know, tell me about that. Right. I once had a student write about how she was a trivia machine and kind of shared some little bits of arcane trivia that, by the way, were also super interesting. And it was so good because it was unlike what many people will write and was very truthful. She really was a trivia machine. And she also, I learned something. I always think it's good when you learn something. Um, So, you know, not everyone can have fun with it because not everyone writes that way or is that kind of person. But um, I love your advice on this one. Don't leave it blank. There's something you can write there. We all have our own little things that we're good at. Maybe you're really good at, you know, loading the dishwasher so that you could fit every last thing in there and maximize the space. You would be you would be admitted to my household for exactly, sure. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So have fun with that. Yeah. Um, okay. Now come to th- those are all important, obviously, but you're not writing anything new for the main Georgetown mm-hmm. essay. You're going to use an essay either for the common app or for um, that other application. You are you're going to write about an activity. You're going to write about a skill. Now comes to the individual college. Each of them have their own prompt. Yeah. So let's start with Georgetown College mm-hmm. and their prompt is what does it mean to you to be educated? How might Georgetown College help you achieve this aim? Um, And then it says applicants to the sciences and mathematics or the faculty of languages and linguistics should address their chosen course of study. So what's your advice on this one? Well, first of all, that that second part, when they highlight math and science or languages and linguistics, I actually think that throws students off a little bit because if you are applying to, so you apply let me back up just for a second. You apply to the College of Arts and Sciences, if that's your chosen school, mm-hmm. but you're also indicating your intended major. You are not roped into it. You can change your mind, but they are asking for your area of interest. So when students say, see, well, I'm not applying to math or science, or I'm not applying to language and linguistics, they 
they feel that they don't need to comment on why I'm interested in government or why I'm interested um, in, in history. They still should, right? They're, we're trying to better understand um, your areas of interest and how you're going to pursue that. This is a wide Georgetown essay. But I think the first part, what does it mean to be educated, is, is huge. And I was, so this will be interesting advice because I said, you know, be true to yourself, be, you know, be authentic. You can't write for what you're expecting the admissions officer or the student to want to see from you. However, you are writing for Georgetown and you should probably know what Georgetown College, what their opinion is of what it means to be educated. <laughs> I would go immediately to their mission statement. Find some, some piece of that that jives with you because mm-hmm. that they are telling you in their mission statement what they think it means to be educated. And a lot of that has to do with social justice and addressing challenges and responsibilities in the light of being free. Deep stuff. Yeah. Is there something there that you connect with? Because that might resonate really, really well. If there's nothing in there that connects with you, maybe you're applying to the wrong school. (laughs) Good point. And which is part of the point of these essays, right? Mm -hmm. Trying to connect what your goals are, what's important to you with the mission of the school. Yes. Yes. So I would say go look up the mission statement, but I also think it's really important, and this is for all four schools, but the college in particular, is to know about their core requirements. This, I can tell you firsthand as a Georgetown applicant, I had no idea I had to take a science course. I was not happy about that as a college (laughs) student there. I should have known. So my understanding of what it means to be educated, uh, I didn't do my homework um, there. Because Georgetown College is very clear. They have a robust core curriculum that no matter what major you are, you're going to take that core. So if you write all about being educated means to pursue whatever I want and I have no restriction, that's not true. That is not true at Georgetown. They will tell you a a long list of courses that you, uh, areas that you must take. I think that that's important too. Okay. All right. I just looked at our time. We have been chatty, so I want to make sure that we can talk and offer tips for each of the next three. Right. So we have about probably literally less than a minute for each. All right. School of Nursing and Health Studies, describe the factors that have influenced your interest in studying healthcare. Please specifically address your intended major. Sure. So they all they only have a couple of majors in that school, so that should not be hard to, to narrow it down. Here's my big, big piece of advice. Don't write this essay only about wanting to be a doctor and going to med school. And that's what a lot of students focus it on. Focus on. They talk about their future career and wanting to be a doctor. And that's great. But the purpose of applying to the nursing and health study school at Georgetown is to spend four years there. They really want to know what you're going to do with your four years of your undergraduate experience, not what you're going to do as a doctor. Mm-hmm. So don't skip over those four years. It's also right. They have. Yeah. I mean, and it is a school of nursing and having also read applications for a school of nursing at Penn. I know that it doesn't always go over super well when you're focusing on becoming being a doctor when you're applying to a school of nursing. Okay, Walsh School of Foreign Service briefly discuss a current global issue indicating why you consider it important and what you suggest should be done to deal with it quickly. 
Yes. So this does not have to be a why Georgetown essay. And in fact, it's not. You should not be writing all about what you're going to study at Georgetown. You should think of this as a policy memo to the president. Get, lay out the, situ the, the situation briefly, mm -hmm. what, what he or she needs to know, what you both sides of the issue, what you suggest, why it's important, and what you suggest to do about it period. It does not need to be personal and it does not need to be why Georgetown. And it does not even need to be connected to what you want to study. This is a very different response. All right. Very interesting. Okay. Last one, 30 seconds. McDonough School of Business. It's a national global leader in providing graduates with essential ethical, analytical, financial, and global perspectives. Why do you want to study business at Georgetown? What are your motivations? Yep. Um, I would avoid anything that has to do with a lemonade stand. Don't go, don't be the, uh, the, the child applying, right? Um, yep. So your, your purposes for business need to be much clearer and much more mature. And I think that first part, that word ethical is incredibly important. And you're not going to see that at every other business school, but it is a big part of Georgetown's mission of being men and women for others. That Jesuit heritage is incredibly important. And they're looking at that from a business perspective of doing good in the world. Awesome. And you did it in 30 seconds. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, Beth. Always a pleasure. All right. And I'm going to make this required listening for all of my students who are applying to Georgetown, which is really only one this year, but that's okay. Uh, all right. If you have questions, send them to us at gettingin.voiceamerica.gmail.com. And don't forget, we are here every Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern and 1 p.m. Pacific. Thank you for tuning in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and the team of experts at Bright Horizons College Coach. Join us again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.